Hi, this is Andrew, and this is Keynote, the daily now.tv chat show with some of the world's leading thinkers and writers. Hello, everybody. It is October the 12th, 2023, a Thursday. Not only the world's leading writers, but the world's leading bitches. Um, earlier this week, we did a show with the biographer Evelyn McDonald, a Los Angeles-based cultural writer on Joan Didion. She said uh, her, her book is actually called uh, The World According to Joan Didion, a rather boring title. She said she wanted to call it The All-American Bitch, but of course... Those boring conservative publishers wouldn't let her do it. Um, Didion was a bit of a bitch in her writing and perhaps her life, which uh, is why she's remembered why people write biographies of her. So uh, they didn't, uh, McDonald didn't call a book on Didion all American bitch, but we found a real American bitch today. Lisa Carmen Wang, a former gymnast, now a an investment entrepreneur, quite a character. She has a new book out, The Bad Bitch Business Bible, and she's joining us from New York. Uh, welcome, Lisa. Uh, I assume some people uh, take bitch as a bit of an insult, but if I call you a bitch, I assume you treat that as a compliment, do you? I take it as a compliment, yes. And in fact, I, I chose this word very intentionally because the word bitch has traditionally been used to describe a woman who might be perceived as cold or rude or uh, aggressive. But what I really have found is that that's just a woman who knows what she wants, asserts her boundaries, has strong opinions, is willing to voice them, and is unwilling to tolerate disrespect and will walk away from people who don't treat her right. And so I just think that being a bad bitch is really about reclaiming a woman's power that has traditionally been used to weaponize against her. Are you familiar with the work of Didion? Uh, she, she was a wonderful writer and she was mm -hmm. a bit of a bitch as well, maybe in her writing and her behavior. Is there a, a long history of bitchhood uh, amongst females? Can men be bitches, um, Lisa, or only women? Oh, men can definitely be bad bitches. Uh, and I think that really the the so-called bitch is again it's 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 a term um, and it's a term that we might have used to again weaponize a woman's power and her strength against her. And so when you reclaim it, when you say you know I'm willing to be authentically myself, I believe in my opinions, and I have a bigger vision and mission, and I'm not afraid to speak up. And Joan Didion was one of those certainly. And I remember reading her books when I was in middle school and just falling in love with powerful female voices. And so I think that um, I'm loving seeing the men who are picking up my book and saying, yeah, I want my daughter to be a bad bitch too. You use this word weaponize. Is that a, a bitchy word? <laughs> I don't know exactly what a bitchy word is, but I think it is um, a strong woman who knows who she is and knows everything that comes with being a woman, the strengths, whether that is her beauty, her voice, her sexuality, her sensuality, her emotional intelligence, her intuition, and her her just overall knowing and just greater intelligence. I think that when a woman knows that about herself, it can really intimidate people and especially men who 
aren't used to a woman who is really secure in herself. So I think that, um, yeah, the, it has certainly been a woman's sexuality has been weaponized against her. Her beauty can be weaponized against her. Her confidence can be weaponized against her. And so I actually think that's more of a, actually more of a man's word because uh, women aren't really the ones who are picking up weapons these days. We just, uh, we use our words. Men are weaponizing, weaponize. Uh, <laughs> Lisa, what's the opposite of a bitch? Might, might we say a, a good girl? So... If you are in Gen Z millennial, a bad bitch is a very positive thing to be. And I define a bad bitch as a woman who unapologetically takes charge of her body, her boundaries, her bank account. She knows what she wants and she gets what she wants. And the opposite, using this term, is a good girl. And I specifically talk about good girl brainwashing in my book. And it is all the societal media messages that have trained women to stay small, silent, and subordinate to the status quo, to not speak up, to prioritize herself last, to not bet on herself, to not take big risks, to not have big dreams, to not unapologetically say and do what she wants to accomplish her greatest desires. And it really is about helping women understand that it is okay to bet on yourself. It is more than okay to believe that you are enough and that you don't need to prove yourself. You don't need external validation to tell you that you are worthy of doing what you want. And so it's not that being a good girl is bad um, because I say that I was a good girl for the majority of my life and good girl, being a good girl got me far. It got me straight A's. It got me an Ivy League degree at Yale. It got me into uh, a good corporate finance job. But at a certain point, you realize that being a good girl and following all the rules, doing all the right things, working super hard, not speaking up, that, that might get you a pat on the head, but that does not allow you to become a leader. And every powerful female leader I know has had to break rules, has had to speak up for herself, has had to become more assertive and say, no, I'm not willing to tolerate what the world is not handing me or telling me is possible because I need to see a vision that's bigger and greater for myself because no one else is going to give me permission to do so except for me. Yeah, and you're, you're going in the direction I wanted you to go in, which is your background, because I know you were brought up to be a good girl for better or worse. Tell me about uh, your childhood and your family. Where did you grow up? I was born in Madison, Wisconsin, and my parents immigrated right after the Cultural Revolution. The home of, the, the home of good girls, Wisconsin, Madison. <laughs> yes, nice, nice girls. And I was one of the few Asian faces, especially Asian female faces in a very white neighborhood growing up. So I was made fun of for my accent. I was made fun of for the way that I looked, for being different. And certainly I think that was one of the things, the feeling of never belonging and never being truly seen for who I am. I think that that became a chip on my shoulder to, to be the best and to, to be seen through the work that I did. So I, I was taught to work hard, to prioritize success, to prioritize being the best. And again, that got me far as an athlete. I started gymnastics training when I was nine years old. I ended up on the USA Gymnastics National Team. I was a four-time national champion, um, went to world championships, represented the US several times, was Olympic alternate in 08. Um, but even in addition to that rigorous training, there are times I was training you know, nine hours a day when I was living in the Olympic training centers, I never let go of the 
importance of academic studies. So my parents really drilled into me the importance of being a good student. And so I think that at the end of the day, that was very good for me because I achieved success early on as a gymnast, but I also had a clear uh, second path, which was as a, as a great student, which opened a lot of doors for me. But I will say that the ugly underbelly of the way that I grew up, especially in a very aggressive gymnastics um, call it training center, is that there is a lot of toxic perfectionism that is imposed upon the gymnast. It is literally the sport that asks you to be a perfect 10 and you are judged on everything from your body to your leotard, to your smile, to your pointed toes, to your root, everything, everything is judged. And you are literally given a score by people outside telling you how imperfect you really are. And so I think that that became a very deep, uh, deep, uh, deeply ingrained in me as someone who has always been a perfectionist and a high achiever, but can be very detrimental as you become, um, um, as you go out into the real world and have to figure out what does what does perfect look like. And as I write in my book, um, perfectionism is something that stops a lot of good girls from actually launching, from actually going bigger because of fear of failure. And I say money does not flow to perfection. It flows to power. It flows to 80% rather than 100%. I couldn't agree with you more. Uh, Lisa, you know um, that, that your background, you, you were highly disciplined academically and uh, athletically. You, you, you've been a, a very competitive gymnast, uh, won many trophies. Is that discipline that you were brought up in, that culture, um, is it antithetical to bitchhood, to, to get a 10 as a gymnast, to get into Yale? Are those two things in contradiction or can they go together? Could one bring uh, a girl up to be uh, a competitive athlete and a Yale student and a bitch? <laughs> I don't think that they are antithetical to each other. I think at the end of the day, I am very appreciative of the training that I had early on because I do think that the discipline, the focus, the rigor, the um, vision that I was instilled with early on in terms of learning how to set a decade long dream. You know, when I was nine years old, I said, in 10 years, I want to do this. Um, I want to go to the Olympics. And um, I've always been a big dreamer. And so I think that the, the focus is not so much on what it is that you do, and more so how it is that you feel about yourself. Because really at the core of this book, The Bad Bitch Business Bible, is a philosophy of self-respect, self-love, and self-trust. Because many of us, and I think this is women and men alike, but women just have additional pressures um, because we haven't traditionally been in those top positions. We haven't even had enough history, you know, time and history to get to the top. But um, it's that we've been taught to doubt ourselves, to outsource our confidence and our worth to the external world, whether that is other people's opinions or accolades or job titles or money in the bank account. And I think that really there's a reason why I say body boundaries and then a bank account is because the body section and the, the woman's 
relationship to her own body is especially under attack um, by, by the media, right? We've been objectified for God knows how long by traditionally male-run media stations and um, ads. And um, it's if you love studying, if you love achieving, that is absolutely your prerogative. If you love, um, I don't know, exploring and traveling and you want to find a way to do that, and you feel good about opting out of certain capitalist systems, I think that that's great. So I I genuinely believe that people should have the right to pursue the things that they love and that there is no right way or well, right. Uh, let me rephrase the question. I take your point. Mm -hmm. But being a gymnast and getting into Yale requires, if not conformity, certainly a great deal of discipline, self-control. Mm -hmm. To be a bad bitch, does that require the same kinds of qualities of, of getting up at five in the morning, doing your training, doing your tests, getting tens in your performances or on your 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 SATs, ten out of tens? Uh, in other words, does bad is all too often the person who is most sort of suited to a bad bitch perhaps struggle to get into college? struggle to define themselves when they're a teenager, to struggle to accomplish anything? I do not have personal experience with that. But um, I know you don't, but you seem to be wearing both hats comfortably. Yeah. But I think that's rather unusual. Yeah. So I sometimes I think that, so I, I love exploring the extremes of identity. And that may come from the fact that I was a literature major, um, that I, when I was young, I was so shy, I was so insecure that I couldn't make friends and therefore I read the entire young adult section in the library. So if I wasn't in the gym, I was in the library and I learned from strong female characters. I learned from girls that I wanted to be friends with in those books because I couldn't be friends Joan with them. Diddy and I have well, one of them. Yeah, right? yeah, she was she was on there. The, and, uh, the all American bitch. Yeah. And I think that, um, you know, because I was so far on the other side of the spectrum, I was such a good girl. I was so conforming to the expectations of being the straight A student, the best in class, the best gymnast, the best Ivy League bound daughter. Um, I was I was so far extreme on that spectrum that I think that there was a moment that I, I experienced that identity shift early on in my career because I had achieved so much success at such a young age that by the time I got into my first corporate job at a $15 billion hedge fund, I thought, well, all these external achievements, these accomplishments, they don't make me feel better about myself. It, it, the internal worth is not coming even with the external validation. And um, so I, I almost went, I did go the complete opposite extreme. And I was like, what is it like to be, what is it like to be a bad bitch who, you know, uh, puts the middle finger up to the status quo and says, you know, I'm tired. I'm tired of conforming to this because this clearly is not bringing me happiness and fulfillment. So maybe the other side does. And so I think now I've reached this really interesting middle ground because I, I know how to embrace, embrace both extremes. And it allows me to then eventually swing the pendulum and get back into the middle where I say, you know, being a, being a bitch does not mean being rude. 
you can be very generous and very kind and very open, um, but have very strong boundaries and be completely unwilling to tolerate disrespect and speak up when you see things that you don't agree with. We are talking with Lisa Carmen Wang, the author of Bad Bitch Business Bible, BBBB, um, very interesting new book. Um, Lisa, you've done a lot of things in your life. Uh, what distinguishes this kind of book from the kind of male self-help books that we've had so many shows? Tim Ferriss is an old friend of mine. I, he, he, my show, he was on many times right in the early days before anyone had even heard of him. He was on in 2012. What distinguishes your kind of book about encouraging girls to be bad bitches and break all the rules and all the rest of it with the kind of books that people like Ferris write about, if not bad bitches, bad boys? Hmm. I think that there are very unique, invisible expectations that are placed upon women that are fundamentally different than those placed upon men. And it goes to one of the things that I explored early on in my career, which was the idea of enoughness or feeling like you are good enough or asking when, when will it ever be enough? And I asked myself that question in my early 20s because I realized that no matter how much I did, I never felt like I was good enough. So I started doing research. I had a whole podcast called Enoughness where I interviewed successful men and women and I asked, do you feel like you're good enough? And, you know, unsurprisingly, most people did not, no matter how successful, what field they were in. And I noticed the one very big difference between how women and men experience the lack of enoughness. And it's because women have been told by all society that you are not enough in your being. You are not pretty enough. You are not skinny enough. You are not smart enough. You are not experienced enough. You are not brave enough. A woman who is insecure, you can, she, she physically shrinks her voice gets smaller, her, her posture gets smaller, she, she shrinks herself to almost like disappear. And you can you see her wear her lack of confidence, she reeks of insecurity. A man, on the other hand, has been told by society, you don't have enough, you don't have enough money, you don't have enough cars, you don't have enough women, you don't have enough property. Um, you, and, and so a man who's deeply insecure, you often see do the exact opposite of what a woman does and he physically expands more cars more women and more you know more more property and then you you get the the super rich man who's standing at the top of his penthouse with all these women and wondering why he's de depressed um and i think that the the biggest uh, difficulty here is that the business world rewards a man's insecure behavior and it punishes a woman's insecure behavior and so this book addresses a lot of those invisible expectations and, and cultural messages that women have, and it teaches to build them up. Um, and I think a lot of women need to be built up to really understand their power. And I think for many men, um, they need to be uh, you know, broken open, broken down a little bit. Oh, damn, yeah. their, their emotionality and, and the depth of who they really are. The one word that you haven't brought up so far, maybe you did, I didn't notice it, is the H word, not a B word, happiness. Mm -hmm. One of the things that often strikes me about these self-help types like Tim Ferriss is when you get to meet them beyond all the bluster or beneath the bluster, there seems to be a degree of misery. They don't seem to be very happy people. In your um, bad bitch business Bible, which is uh, a book, of, and I'm quoting the subtitle, 
of Ten Commandments to break free of good girl brainwashing and take charge of your body, boundaries, and bank account, are you also offering a path to happiness? I am offering a path to self-love. And a, is that happiness, though, self-love? I think that there is a significant and undeniable connection to how you feel about yourself and the person you see every single morning in the mirror um, and your happiness. Because, again, our society has been has told us to be taught us to be consumers, we say, and achievers and say happiness is out there um, with the new, the new job title, the new purse, the new car, the new apartment. And really, it's about what if, what if all that's taken away? You know, what if all the success, what if all the money, what if all the, the adoration is taken away? And all you have is the person that you see in the mirror and you wake up with, are you still happy? Can you still find joy and love in yourself, even if there's no one around to tell you that you are worthy of that happiness and love. So I, I absolutely think that is directly tied. We are talking with Lisa Carmen Wang, the author of Bad Bitch Business Bible. Um, if you want to be a real bitch, you may need to read uh, Liberties, who are our sponsor, a quarterly journal of culture and politics. I want to thank them for supporting the show. Going to run a short ad for liberties and then i want to be back with uh with lisa to talk more specifically about the commandments in her intriguing new book so don't go away anyone beyond the news the noise there is nuance insight liberties it's not just a journal of ideas it's a meteor of intelligent substance it's the place to be for engaged citizens politics opinion substance liberties is a triumph for freedom of thought a quarterly of urgency, of cultural exploration, of intellectual delight, of immaculate prose. It's invaluable. Subscribe now or find Liberties at your favorite bookseller. And you can subscribe to Liberties at libertiesjournal.com. We are speaking with Lisa Carmen Wang, the author of a new book, The Bad Bitch Business Bible, Ten Commandments to Break Free of Good Girl Brainwashing and Take Charge of Your Body, Boundaries, and Bank Account. Uh, Lisa, you know better than I do that we live in a busy world. Ten Commandments, maybe we can shrink them down to a couple. Give me the most important of those commandments for uh, people who want to become bad bitches. Yeah, well, I can do a mindset one and I can do a, a money one. So... Um, one of the ones that I think I'll, I'll, I'll start off with is a bad bitch loves money. And I think that this is so important for especially women who are ambitious and wanting to create change in the world, because as we know, um, it's very difficult to create change when you don't have the resources uh, to do so and um, to really continue to catapult your, your mission. And so I think that for a lot of women, we are you know, just as a stat, 90% of money articles targeted at men are about investing in growth, yet 90% of money articles targeted at women are about saving and spending less. And we know that just 50 years ago, women couldn't even open a bank account without the signature of a husband or a father. And so it is still relatively new that we even have the opportunity to pursue financial freedom. But there is still deeply ingrained fear and shame around saying that you want to be wealthy, that you want to be unapologetically rich as a woman and say, you know, I want to provide for myself. I want to have my own resources. I want to be able to do what I want on my own terms. And that's what 
uh, financial independence gives you the opportunity to do. And so many women today are going through, um, well, people are going through divorces and women are finding themselves on the short end of the stick because they were not, uh, they didn't, they weren't taught that they had to understand the finances, that they had to ask questions. Um, it's over 70% of uh, women who end up in divorces, they realize that the financial advisor was not looking out for their best interest, that there's hidden assets somewhere that the husband was hiding. And so I think it is more important than ever for women to really understand how to uh, make sure that you always have your own back and that it is absolutely okay to say, I want to make a massive difference in the world. I want to become unapologetically wealthy and I want to do things on my own terms. So I teach women how to do that in my book, in this chapter. Um, um, talking through building a, a positive relationship with money, um, thinking through how to make your first investments, how to budget, how to create a vision for what financial freedom looks like for you, um, and what it means to invest in what I call your most valuable asset. And your most valuable asset is yourself. That is investing in your own skills, coaching, education, IP, um, whatever it is that you need to invest in building yourself out so that you become your most valuable asset, which is yourself, becomes more valuable. Lisa, um, speaking of bitches, she's not a bad bitch. She's a sad bitch. She's very much in the news this week. Caroline Ellison, the one-time girlfriend of Sam Bankman-Fried, she was testifying this week against him. What is the, I'm sure you've been following this story, everybody is, um, what is the, the story of Ellison, who was his girlfriend and was told what to do by Bankman Freed, uh, the, the sort of the Bernie Madoff, if you like, of the crypto world. What does the Ellison story teach us about becoming a bad bitch rather than a sad bitch? Well, you know, I sometimes we're all sad, you know, we're human. Um, but I, I, I think it's really, you know, it still goes back to the end, which I say, you got to have your own back and right. you have to listen to your intuition and understand. I mean, what, what seems very clear to me in this story is that she was not at all blind <laughs> to the misdemeanors that were happening. Um, she made a very conscious choice to play along with it. Um, and so, so yeah, at the end of the day, like woman or man, you take responsibility for your own actions. And I actually have that in the very first chapter of my book is the radical self responsibility pledge that I make every woman, every client I have go through. And it is the, the pledge that it doesn't matter what happens externally, you and only you are responsible for your thoughts, your actions, your feelings and um, what you do in this world and the energy you create because you have the ability to create your own reality. So she, she, mm -hmm. you know, she everyone involved. I mean, the, the reason involved. I bring her up is because it seems, at least from what she was saying this week in court, that she was still controlled by Bankman Freed. He controlled how much she earned and what she did. So we've spoken about the financial commandment. What was the other high level commandment that you think is essential? Yeah, well, I there's a reason why I start with the the very first commandment is a bit different than the others. And it's about uh, it's called a bad bitch is unbreakable. And this idea of being unbreakable is a is a complete mindset and just life philosophy. And um, I talk about my experience as a gymnast, where I again, said I 
wanted to go to the Olympics. I, I banked my entire identity on going to the Olympics for 10 years. And I ended up missing qualifying by 0.25 tenths of a point. And, uh, you know, my, my identity completely shattered. And I felt like my biggest fear had happened of letting down and disappointing my parents, my coaches, the, the country that everyone was expecting me to to get this. And so that that fear of failure really rocked me. And and then it happened. And um, rather than choosing to just quit, because that was the same time that I got my acceptance letter to Yale. So it would have been very easy for me to just say, screw it. I'm done with this sport. Uh, this is too hard to deal with. I'm just going to run away and start my next chapter. But I said, I realized my identity wasn't that of a gymnast. I, it was My identity is that of a fighter and a winner. And winners never quit when they're down. And so I I did the hardest thing that I knew possible. And I bought a one-way ticket to the Russian Olympic Training Center. Um, I told Yale that I was not coming that year. And I ended up training for nine months in the most rigorous training center in Novogorsk, Russia. So if you think Siberia in the middle of winter, nine hours a day, um, training, traveling, competing across all of Europe. And I ended up my final competition in 2008, which was the USA National Championships. And I won every single gold medal that you could possibly win. And I got athlete of the year. And then I said, peace, bitches. Now I'm out. And I, I ended that chapter on my terms. And I... Um, many years later, I had a mentor who said to me, you know, Lisa, you had the greatest blessing, um, a hidden blessing that not a lot of people get. And I said, what's that? And he said, you had the opportunity to fail so publicly at such a young age and you were forced to deal with that and try to pick up the pieces of your broken identity and, and you did it. And now you're unbreakable. And so I think that that's really a message that I want to instill in um, in women or people who've grown up as good girls who have who are really plagued by this this what if it goes wrong? What if I don't do it right? What if I fail? And say you know what? At some point you got to learn to do it anyway because if you know that you're strong enough and you're unbreakable, you'll always figure out a way to to move that narrative um, and that chapter of your life in in the direction that you want. Final question, um, Lisa. A lot of people are going to be watching this. I hope they'll be buying your book and there. They'll also be saying, how can, this is an impressive person. She's a bit of a bad bitch. How can I work with her? I know you're also involved with creating a new investment pipeline for female fa founders. Um, and your company is called, uh, uh, what is it? The Bad Bitch, bad bitch Empire. Empire. So I, uh, before we went live, I called you an emperor, which was a serious error. You're an empress, of course. Uh, what is this this empire and how can people become part of it themselves or work with you? Yeah, well, one thing that we have launched I'm very excited about is our new early stage venture fund. So we're investing in female-led tech companies that are creating exponential impact, um, that are driving greater equity and empowerment economically, socially, environmentally. And so if you are interested in investing and becoming an LP and uh, investing in the next, what I think, the next wave of billion dollar companies, um, please feel free to, to reach out at badbitchempire.com. You can join our newsletter. Um, and we also have a Bad Bitch Investor Bootcamp, which trains women on how to become angel investors, um, how to think about investing their assets. And very soon I will be launching a, another program that is helping other women build their business empires.
and what's all different that from now, what you're doing there are a lot of now uh early stage investors um incubators focusing on women and minority women what's different about what you're doing so i think that beyond the tactics there is a fundamental shift that the bad bitch empire brings that is all around worth um because you can i say for example with negotiation i used to have women come to me all the time asking me for negotiation tactics fundraising tactics and what i learned as a coach working with them was that they all wanted the how but what they didn't realize was that it doesn't matter how many tactics you teach someone because at the end of the day if they don't believe that they are good enough if they don't believe they are worthy of the money and the success it never comes and so I think that there is a, a big shift in energetics and a focus that I have on, again, your, your internal worth, your relationship with the woman in the mirror. Can you wake up every day and say, you know, I'm a bad bitch, regardless of what I look like, feel like. It's just I know that I always have my own back. And, and I think that mindset shift, that, that shift in your being needs to happen before you can go out and raise a ton of money because obviously the the statistics are not in our favor and and women are not raising that capital yet so um, i think it starts it starts with the core of who you are as a human being and that's the training i provide in addition to the tactics